Amen. Well, God, we love you. Again, we thank you for this opportunity to be faithful, God, in our tithes and offerings. And I just thank you, God, for all the ministry that is taking place, Lord, in this house. God, thank you uh, for those that have um, just stepped, God, up to in this new season of leading other people uh, to follow you, our, our group leaders and our discipleship teachers. And, and God, I just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for all the things that I don't even hear about, Lord, all the expressions of your love and your compassion. And I just thank you, God, that we would see a uh, 100 people saved this year. God, uh, our, we pray, we know, God, that this theme of everyone deserves to hear the gospel. Lord, we know that comes straight out of your word, and we just thank you that your spirit has prompted this in our hearts. I pray that all of us, Lord, would have that burden of that person. We wrote down on that blue card a couple weeks ago, God, that we'd be praying for them, thinking about them, and Holy Spirit, give us creative ways to reach out to them. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome to Rock of Grace. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, I am Jordan, lead pastor of Rock of Grace, and I'm just glad you're worshiping with us. Um, this vision statement of leading people to follow Jesus together is so important to me. And so we try to spend a few weeks every uh, year talking about what it means to be together. And we're going to take a couple different routes that I've not taught on yet uh, in, this, in this context. And so open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. And I'm going to have the core scripture on the Bible, or on the Bible, on the screen as well. All right, just to wake you guys up, um, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Shout it on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, other than him, who'd you guys say? Yeah, no, no. It's going to be the Chiefs again, I'm just saying. I don't even like them, but they're probably going to win. I know. I don't even know why. One day the Browns are going to be there. Can I get a witness? Is anybody else like a hopeless fan? Like you, you watch and you're like, today's the day. And then there's a fumble or somebody, you know, I swear, sometimes the last three seconds, they just throw it out of bounds. It's like, no, guys, we're not allowed to win. All right. Anyway, I don't know what's up with them. Every year, too. I still watch. I still root. It's terrible. Makes no sense. I want to give you context for this verse, okay? When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. There I am among them. How many of you guys have ever heard this verse? All right, this is our key verse for the, t for, for the day. We're going to come back to it throughout the sermon. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so there's this power, that's right, there's this powerful significance of God's people coming together. Amen? Supporting, praying, comforting, teaching one another. There's a togetherness and uh, as a pastor, I get to see it all the time. Like, I'm privileged to see this all the time. Oh, pastor, I can't believe it. I was having the worst day, and somebody called me from my group, or somebody from church called me, or somebody sent me this card, and it's like, they sent it three days ago. How did it arrive today? How does the Holy Spirit do that? I don't know. But this whole together thing that God made is really beautiful, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, all the time, like, God will provide needs that you have through the togetherness. 
there's things that you and I need to learn and think differently about through the togetherness that can only happen in the uh, togetherness. But I wanna, I wanna give you the context for this. And so this, this whole part's not gonna be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible open or opening the Bible app, I wanna read 15 through 35. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's important. Never say alone. It doesn't say go to your brother and on Facebook and on Instagram and go live. Nor does it say at your group, point out their faults. <laughs> no. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen... Um, to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we've heard that verse too, right? Again, I say to you, if two, or, two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And I think it's so important that we don't take a verse like this and just say, see, this is why when we gather in the sanctuary, while it's true, this is why there's a, a, a manifest presence, a new revealed presence of Jesus when we're together. That is true, and it doesn't negate that truth. But what's important is that you know the context. It'd be just like if, if you were having a conversation with your spouse and someone walked in from out of the room and heard one thing, that one line, and then went out and told the whole story. You'd be like, no way, it's important that you hear the context, right? So the context is reconciliation. Because look what he says after that. So that's the first part. Now look what he says. Peter came up to him and said, Lord, just curious, how often do I have to forgive people? Like, like seven times, like that's my limit. I mean, and if we're honest, I think we'll all be like, you know what, five times, that's, that's hard. Right, like, like six times, like, no, I, I, I might want to punch him. Seven times, Jesus, that's the limit. Because, you know, some people are toxic. <laughs> we have our words. That's just a word that's used in today's culture. We, we just throw out these things, like, right, so we're like Peter. We're like, so seven times. Don't you think Jesus, like, he's coming up with a, a number. And I love Jesus' response. Uh, not seven, 77. Everybody say, that's a lot of times. <laughs> Right? So imagine you're Peter, and so then he tells a little story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owned 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. Right? Another translation says, have, has, have mercy on me. And I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his servants who owed him a hundred denarii, seized him, began to choke him, and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, have mercy with me, I'm going to pay you. And he refused and went out and put him in prison until he could pay it. When his fellow servants saw what, he had taken, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and they reported to their master what had taken place. His master summoned him in and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt. You pleaded with me. 
And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant, just like I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So you say, Pastor Jordan, you're coming out heavy today. I know. Usually I love a little story. I know. A little story about my toddlers. Maybe Luke is kicking me in the face, you know, because that happens on the daily. But, you know, something funny. But today I want you to hear this. We want Jesus in our life. We want his presence in our life. How many of you guys want his presence in your life? But I think we are just like early century believers in many ways. We like to think of ourselves as very different, but we're actually a lot like them. I wonder how many Christians, not just at Rock of Grace, but around the United States, because I want you to like zoom out for a minute. You're, you're in our Kinsman campus at Rock of Grace, but right now, hundreds of thousands of people around the U.S. are gathered in churches. Can you guys just picture that? Just picture that with me. Hundreds of thousands of people. And then hundreds of thousands, millions actually, right, are, are gathered not just in the U.S., but around the world worshiping. And that's powerful. I love to think about that. It was crossing my mind this morning. But I wonder how many of them broke away from their people, the tribe that God had tried to give them, because like one person said something inappropriate at, at life group, right? Or like one person said something out of place. Uh, so just curious, how many of you, let's just see if we live in a fallen world, have had somebody say something to you out of place or a little bit inappropriate? Anybody? Is it just me? Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, you've done that? Yeah. So, oh, you've done that. Well, we forgive you just so you know. Nolan and Destiny are in my group. We actually were hanging out last night, right? So, yeah, actually, this is all about you, this whole sermon. No, I'm kidding. The whole sermon is whether you and I forgive each other. No. But you have to understand something. And as a pastor, I see this all the time. Now, thank goodness this sermon is like, this is not like current issues. You know, I'm not like, we don't do that as pastors. We just like pray, what is God going to say in the coming months? And this is what we put down. But as a pastor, you see this all the time. I'm just being real with you. You see this all the time. God puts people in your life to help you grow. And that person who is just as human as you does something a little rude, right? And for some reason, even though we've been forgiven of about 700 to 7,000 sins, you're with me? From the master, that one guy who said that one dumb thing, we say, never talking to him again. Right? We get in our car and we go, not going back to that life group. Come on. Come on. We, right? We laugh, but how many of you just pull your toes in a little bit because it's like, oh, crap, I've done that. Right? Or, oh, not inviting them again. Right? Man. But. Here's the powerful thing that jumped off the page to me as I was reading this passage. We all want Jesus' presence with us. How many of you guys would agree with that? But 
you can't have the unity that Jesus promised, the presence. He says, there I am in the midst of you. You can't have that if you refuse to forgive your brother. Right? I can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so many Christians will say, well, I love, so there's, there's four ways God speaks to you. So I've said this before, I want to say it again. There's four ways God speaks to you. He speaks to you through his word, right? He speaks to you, to you through his spirit, right? Just, you, just him to you. How many of you guys have ever, you know, it's in the morning, you're making breakfast, you're at the gas station, he whispers something. He speaks to you. He speaks to you through church leaders, Ephesians 4, right? He speaks, the Bible's very clear about that. But guess how also God speaks to you? Through people, through the other sheep, right? He speaks to you. And so sometimes that thing, maybe that, maybe God's teaching you about forgiveness and grace, you know? And God wants to teach us through a lot of things through people, and we miss out, I think, sometimes, on really beautiful relationships. Do you know one of the most rich things you can have in this life, as short as it is, is a long friendship? Can I be real with you? Let me just say that again. One of the most beautiful things you can have in this life, and we know our, our focus is on heaven, but one of the most beautiful things you can have in this life are long-standing friendships that last decades. You know the only way that's possible is if you live in grace. The only way that's possible. You guys still with me? Maybe you've heard this said before, and it's so true. Show us the most five dominant voices in your life, and I'll show you the trajectory of your life. So I want to ask you, who are you surrounding yourself with? Right? Who are your five closest coworkers? What do they value? What are their priorities? Your friends, your married couple friends. What do they value? What are they? And, and again, there's I know there's people that you're you're just befriending, you're just loving, and and uh, maybe trying to lead to Christ, right? And I'm not talking I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about who's influencing the way you think and and live the most. Your relationship with God, your five closest Christian friends, what do they value? Because you become like those people that you're around. I have um, a sister-in-law that has a very strong Southern accent. Has anybody, does anybody have a relative with a strong, right? It's like, we're going to get some sway tie, right? You know, like, were you guys were just, were you guys just visiting them? Okay, so don't be surprised if Joanne comes up to you and is like, y'all want some sway tie and some barbecue, you know, because, like, I hang out with Carrie for one day, and next thing I'm like, y'all want to go up to Walmart? Like, I, I don't know why, but I am affected, and then I realized what is wrong with me. I spent 24 hours. Not that there's anything wrong with Carrie. Carrie, if you're listening, I love you. You're amazing. But why is that? Turns out you become like the people you're around. You just do. And the Bible talks about this whole idea of, of, of bad company corrupting good character. 
And so we got to be careful about the people that we're together with. And again, not that they need to be perfect, so don't misunderstand. We need to forgive, like you said, when we opened, right? But I want to say this. You'll never do what God wants you to do without the right people in your life. Never do what God wants you to do without the right people in your life. So do you have anyone in your life who asks you this question? This is something I like to ask a lot of guys in this church. What is God teaching you lately? What's God teaching you lately? Really simple, right? And if you want to be that kind of friend to someone else, it's a great, it's a great question for that ironing sharpened iron, you know? And it's so different than like the honor bound of 1998. Remember that? Did you sin this week? Did you sin? Did you lie? You probably, you probably lied right now. That's not what we're talking about. Like I had a card given to me when I, anyway. Do you remember the card? Okay, yeah, so I, there was a lot of good intentions there, but I think we got accountability like really screwed up in the past. It's more like not, you know, it's more like, hey, what is God teaching you, right? And the Holy Spirit's going to do the convicting. And we say, what is God teaching you? And in that context, it might be, oh, man, I read First John, or I read this, or, or I, I read this, and I need, to, you know, I know God's teaching me about this with my marriage or my work or something with my boss. Whatever it is, what is God teaching you? Very simple, right? What's God teaching you? So do you have anyone in your life asking you that kind of question? You know? So that's, that's what I want us to think about today. Do you have anyone in your life asking you, strengthening your faith? In fact, if we really just pause the sermon for a minute. If, you, if I were to say, imagine who is in your life that is strengthening your faith in Jesus. You're closer to Jesus because of them. Just nod along if you have somebody in your mind. That's awesome. That's beautiful. So what we want to do is think of even more people, right? And, and, and get some time with them where we can grow with them. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. The right people are essential. They help us navigate obstacles and temptations. They help us navigate obstacles and temptations. 1 Samuel 14, 1 through 4, we're going to give just a, a quick snapshot. I'm going to read one, uh, two verses out of it, and I'll tell you the whole kind of summary. Within the passes which, by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was this rocky crag, and on the other side of the rocky crag, the, the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Seneh. So Boaz means slippery and Seneh means thorny. And so let me just ask this before I even tell you the story. Have you guys ever been between a rock and a hard spot? Pun intended. Right? And are you so thankful for the friend that helps you navigate? Right? The friend that you can just be really honest to. Everybody has to have a friend like that. Everybody has to have a couple friends like that. So let me give you like the summary of what happened. Saul, King Saul, he had messed up and had offered sacrifices. Prophet, God uses the prophet Samuel to confront him. The Philistines had done economic warfare. All right? Why? They removed all the masonry, all the, all the um, blacksmiths were no longer in Israel. So there was no swords, no weaponry. So we could call that economic warfare. Right? So only the Philistine army had the swords. Can you picture that? Only the Philistines. So Jonathan, though, Saul's son, he gets this nudge from the Holy Spirit to go down and to attack. 
His armor bearer said, let's go, right? He said, whatever's in your heart, I'm with you. Do all that is in your heart. I'm with you heart and soul. Hear me, you have to have a friend like that. You have to have a friend that says, God's asking you to do what? That sounds crazy. Let's go. Right? So here's what happened. They miraculously experienced this moment where they killed, just these two guys killed 20 men in just a moment. Right? So confusion and panic set in in the Philistine army. The Philistines started to kill each other, which, by the way, that happens a lot in the Bible. Anybody ever notice that? Like, small step of courage, God intervenes, bad guys kill each other. There you go. There's the whole Old Testament. So they won their freedom back. But let's reverse engineer this. Let's reverse engineer this. Let me, let me read the passage how it ends. Verse 20. Saul and all his men assembled. They went into battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking one another with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were running, they joined in battle. So they got courage when they heard the Philistines were on the run. Okay? Verse 23, on that day, the Lord saved Israel. How cool is that? But let's reverse engineer this. Israel won the battle. All right, that's what verse 23. Because the Philistines started killing each other. Right? Because 20 of their men were killed by two guys. Because Johnny and his buddy went down to fight them against all odds. Because Johnny's body said, that sounds scary, but let's go. Everybody needs that guy in his life. Right? <laughs> I just had a really funny story across my mind. And I don't, I, I just picture this. Actually, I am going to tell it just real quick. I'm going to make fun of myself, and my, my Daniel's going to kill me for telling this story. But we're at Life Group a couple Life Groups ago. Is TJ Smith in here? Is he, is he, okay. Oh, that he's a ward campus. He's a ward campus. So somebody asked the question in like kind of a get to know each other way. You're on an island, stranded alone. You got to survive. Who would you take? I'm now. I'm ready for my wife to be like my husband. She goes TJ Smith. <laughs> it's like it's okay, honey. I would choose you. Of all the people in the world, I would pick you, but that's okay. You wouldn't pick me. So I cried myself to sleep that night. But other than that, we get along great. Oh, I can't believe that story crossed. But that's, 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 that's that guy, right? That's the guy. He's like, I'm going to go down there. I know we're outnumbered, but let's go. And what does he say? I'm with you heart and soul. How cool is that? You know what he's saying? I got your back. You have to have a friend in your life that says, no matter what you face, I got your back. Having the right people in your life can keep us from falling when things are slippery and navigate the obstacles when the enemy is trying to slow us down. Right? I have absolutely had times in my life when I'm not thinking quite correctly. And Will Collins, Ed Homer, my dad, hanging out, intentional times. Hey, 
We're going to get lunch, talk about life, talk about God. Intentionally time with them. So I'm not isolated. Intentionally time with them. And in moments, it can be brief statements the Holy Spirit can say, that's correct. You were thinking about that incorrectly. Come on. And I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have that nudge of correction if I'm isolated. If I think my faith, I'm an end to myself. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amen in. Right? Like, seriously, we all have to have those relationships where whether the Holy Spirit is working through them and they don't even know it, or they have the courage to tell you. You know, I, I had one friend tell me this, this last week that his friend, in the context of group, shared something, you know, separate, alone, together. I said, hey, you know, I think he was thinking about that wrong. And I think it would honor your spouse if you did this. And he received it. How beautiful is that? He didn't say, well, this guy's a jerk and tell me what to do. I'm gone. He didn't. He said, you know what, wait, I, mean, I can grow in my faith in this area. That's beautiful. That's awesome. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a friend. Right? Again, I know that's like 1% of your time. You're not spending 99% of your time saying, hey, I got a wound for you. It's going to hurt. You know? It's 1% of the time, but guess what? You need that friend. You need that 1% of those conversations. Most of it's just great times. All the good stuff God's doing in your life, whatever. But sometimes when there's a hard conversation, praise God for those. All right, number two, the right people help us overcome fear and take risks. You know? I can think of friends in my life who I've prayed about something big with them, and they're like, yeah, yeah. Totally, God can do that. Will's one of those guys. Everybody turn around and say, hi, Will. Hi, Will. There's been a couple times when we're praying about like a property for the church. You know, who do I call? Hey, Will. Want to come meander around and probably have some zoning violations? <laughs> you know? Want to come, come walk around a building and just pray with me and just ask God to give it to us? Who am I calling? I have that. You, you know what I'm saying? You have to have someone in your life that you know their faith is so big in God, they'll go, hey, that's big, but God can do it. Amen? Find people that produce faith and minimize fear. Because godly friends push us past our natural limitations and shortcomings into a place of faith to take risks. Godly people are there for you to, to take that risk and to also comfort you when you're hurting. A close friend of ours, they're also foster parents, you know, this last month, they brought over scriptures and put scriptures all over our house. It was one of the coolest things someone has ever done for us. Like everywhere, right? Kitchen, dining room, bedroom, bathroom. Actually, I heard that. I was like, she went in the bathroom? So do I have like undies on the floor? What if I, you know, but no, I thought it was really cool though. I thought it was so cool that she had scriptures all over the walls. And you know, we've been reading those scriptures. You walk up and you're reading them. How cool is that? And they've become close friends of ours. And now we can be there for them when they're going through stuff. I want to read this again. Verse six, Jonathan said to the young man, come, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now, by the way, that was just saying like these guys, far from God, these punks, right? Okay. It may be that the Lord will work for us. 
Did you hear that? It may be. Because <laughs> how many know when God puts something in your heart, you don't even know if it's a good idea? Right? Like, some, it's like again, you might have this idea to start a business, to start a ministry, to start a, a group in your house. And it's really scary to you, right? Whatever that thing is. And you don't know how it's all going to pan out. But you need that friend that says, I know you're a little apprehensive, but if, if you're praying about this, I'm believing that you hear from the good shepherd and that God's speaking to you, and I'm going to come alongside you. What, what help do you need? Right? I want you to imagine a tightrope stretched across a quarter mile spanning the breadth of the Niagara Falls. I don't know if you guys know this story in 1859. The thundering sound of pounding water drowning out all the other sounds as you watch a man step onto this tightrope and walk across Niagara Falls. This stunning feat made Charles Blondin famous in the summer of 1859. He walked across 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States as huge crowds on both sides looked with awe. Once he crossed in a sack, once on stilts, another time on a bicycle. He even carried a stove and cooked an omelet. Come on. That's crazy. Take that guy to a deserted island, you know? <laughs> just, wanted to just wanted to bring the joke back. I'm still hurt. Just saying. God's still healing my wounds. No, it's okay. Um... I lost my spot. Oh, so here's what he did. So then he's like, I want to take a wheelbarrow across, right? Now, he asked the crowd, he shouts to the crowd, do you believe I can carry a wheelbarrow across? And they all said, yes, right? Because they're all amped. I mean, you just watch this guy cook an omelet, right? So he's like, do you think I can carry a wheelbarrow with somebody in it? And they're all like, yes. And he goes, who wants to get in it? They're all like, ah. Right? I mean, come on, if that's you, how many guys are jumping in there? Not, no, no thanks. No thanks. Right? Unless there's that coworker you don't like, like my friend Steve. Well, he, he wants to go. But you don't go. So what does that prove to you? There's this level of faith, because he said, how many of you believe I could take the whole crowd? Yeah. Right? Who jumped in the wheelbarrow? Uh. And isn't that what our faith is like sometimes? Like, yes, I believe in community. Yeah, Pastor Jordan, preach it. First Corinthians 13. Whoa. When's the last time you've been honest with someone? Uh, 2008. Right? Right? That's what, when, when's, when's the last time you prayed with someone? You know what's going on in their life and you agreed in prayer because you're in genuine friendship. You're in heart-to-heart -heart community. That needs to be all the time as believers where we're so close to people. We're praying for what they're going through. Right? So we need that genuine community that doesn't just say, yeah, I agree, but actually does it. Actually does it and says, I'm committed to you, heart and soul. You know, I'm committed to you. And guys... I, I want to ask you to do that to people that even you haven't even met yet. Love them so well that when they enter your house at Life Group or they enter your house and maybe you're just hanging out and you say, hey, can we just read the word? There's, there's 
a number of guys where we just meet every month over breakfast and we just read, we talk, what's, what's God's doing in your life, pray together. But whoever it is, even if they're just coming in, but truly commit to them. Not like platitudes, like truly commit. I'm with you. And if you ever need to be really honest with, with somebody, I'll be that person. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to vent about something and you need somebody to pray with you, I'd be honored to be that person. Be that person that your friends know they can call at three in the morning. They get a flat tire. Are they calling you? Do you see what I mean? Everyone in this church should be that person where you're such a good friend that your phone's like blowing up all the time because they know you love them and they know that you're genuinely committed to their success. Amen? The right people are with you heart and soul. They got your back. These are not casual friends on Facebook. This is not Facebook friends. I'm not asking, oh, Pastor Jordan, no, I have 1,200 Facebook friends. That is not what I'm asking. You can have 1,200 Facebook friends and not have a friend, just so you know. A friend really knows what's going on in your life Loves you enough to tell you if you got a booger on your face. And I mean that in the real way and the practical, in, in the metaphor way, right? If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, your real friend, like, right, will tell you. So there's people in your life that will walk through tragedies, failures, storms, people who will sit with you when you're waiting to hear the diagnosis, when your marriage is shaky. There's people that you need to have in your life, the right people, are with you heart and soul. So you can do this in a context of many ways, right? I talked with a few friends this week about something that happened, a tragedy at their workplace and about being a good friend to those guys. How important it is to look in the eyes and say, I'm praying for you. Can I bring your family a meal this week? You know, or if you just need to take your mind off things, whatever, want to go bowling, whatever, it doesn't matter. You pick, I'm here for you and pray for you and be that person. It doesn't have to be in groups, but groups is a very simple way. It's a very practical way that we say, okay, we're really, we're committed to each other. And it, it is a powerful, powerful way. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up to your feet. We're gonna close the service a little differently. We're gonna put some music on. I'm gonna ask you to pray for one another today and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to pray for someone. If you want to be really vulnerable for a minute, you can. You have permission. They're not going to go on social media and post about what you asked for prayer about. Okay? Let's genuinely love each other and spend just a couple minutes. Okay? Again, I want to reiterate two things. The power of, of groups like I, we're growing so much in, in our group. And it's not just because we keep having a lot of children. That is one of the ways that we're growing a lot in our group. But spiritually, like I, the, these four couples, I mean, I just, it's so cool what God's doing in their life. I'm praying for Bree's salvation, right? I'm praying uh, for Seth's brother's salvation. I'm praying for Jessica's parents' salvation. I'm believing, believing with them. 
And there's things that I can't pray for if I'm isolated. I want us to really think about this concept of groups for a minute because it would just be so beautiful, I think, if we said, you know what, once a month and some of the groups are twice a month. We say, you know what, I'm gonna go. And even if I don't know everybody there, I'm just gonna go be a good friend. I'm gonna be that kind of person to somebody because somebody in that group needs your wisdom. Somebody in that group needs your story. You overcame something, you were healed of something, your marriage was healed. Somebody in that group needs your testimony that your marriage was on the brink and God healed it. Do you catch what I'm saying? And then commit to them and say, hey, I'm with you heart and soul. If you ever just wanna go, you know, on double date, I'm with you heart and soul. We're gonna take this time and I want you to look around and just get five, six at the most, okay? Six people at the most, hopefully right there in your aisle or the row right behind you. And I want you to pray together and ask them, is there anything specific I can pray with you about? And let's just let the saints, right? Let's just let the believers encourage one another and let God flow through you right now. So turn around, find a couple people, 